Welcome to this special episode of HR Unplugged out in the field. Today, we're going to talk about how to create an amazing employee experience for your field workers. We'll uncover all the ways HR can connect with workers whose primary job site is out in the field. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome back. This is HR Unplugged special edition today of Out in the Field. Just want to remind you that we do have our new Slack community called HR Heroes, and we will have you know that area set up so you can post your questions early, have a better chance of getting them answered, and then continue to have the conversation after each episode because there's so much learning that happens here in our webinar chat. So we'll bring that into Slack and you can continue to learn and share resources with each other. So really excited about that. And then we're now live on your favorite podcast platform. So feel free to join us both on Apple and on Spotify. So you can catch all of our past episodes and get our new ones there and listen um, from any location. So in case you miss us live, find us there. And let's go ahead and get started here. Let's let's hear about the challenges of field work. This has been a big topic from customer day for Bamboo HR and many of our HR plugs up until this point. Many of you have said, we want to ha know what happens in the field. So let, talk to us, Vanessa, what's happening in the field? Yeah, like you said, this is this is something that uh, our team has been really wanting to bring forward and have a good discussion about. And even in the podcast yesterday, there were several people like, "What about field workers? Help me out!" And it's it's a it's a big topic that that just needs to be talked about. So even though many jobs right now have transitioned to online or remote. Uh, there's so many industries that don't have that option to be online or remote. And so they have to continue going out to into the field to keep our lights on, build our houses and buildings and more and uh, lots of things. I mean, I think the good news that what I'm reading in here, Vanessa, and what we've seen from our customer base and in the research we did preparing for this session is, you know, everybody here, you're not alone. There's so much demand and there's not enough supply. As I've talked to many of you, you know, I think uh, what's what came up for me is you all are feeling what in-office teams just started feeling in the pandemic. So there's this kind of sense of like, welcome to our world. We've had a labor shortage for a decade. Glad you all showed up and joined the party, right? You know, there is... Um, you know, we're short 37,000 technicians annually for our field work is one of the stats that I saw. There's been this giant societal shift to STEM. And, you know, while that can be beneficial, you know, one thing I took away from my work on this, Vanessa, was making sure that we also have a societal shift into trades and that we're kind of short changing this next generation by saying STEM is the only career path. And I think we need to be better in our school environments and non-school environments to say there's a number of different paths for you to be successful out there. STEM is one of them, also trade work is one of them. And so I think that's something actually that has actually become almost a fight or a headwind for us is the societal shift to STEM. Um, lack of access to training programs in high school, also, also a big challenge. And so, um, you know, I think that's something we need to create better partnerships with, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, we've also seen there's low wages, low perks compared to other jobs. So it's hard to keep people in the trades even once they get trained. Will they actually stay there? 
And then there are a lot of employment and union requirements. It's hard to build, you know, partnership with that. So lots of lots of different things that we need to continue to focus on um, as we're building out this kind of whole channel of opportunity for the work that needs to be done, because the work is going to continue as the population grows. It's not going away. When, so one of the things that you said, you were talking about the societal shift and how we need to do better in our schools. Can you elaborate a little bit more of like what what can companies do in that arena? Like, are there things that companies can do to help educate? Are there uh, what what kind of shift can companies do there? Yeah, I think one thing is is trade work can be combined with STEM or separate from STEM. I don't know that everybody sees them as synonymous. And it seems at least for the states that I spend most of my time in, whether it's in Utah or Arizona, it's really focused on engineering and the gap of you know, software developers that exists out there since every company is some type of tech company, even if you are in the trades, right? You're relying more on technology than ever as you look at dispatch and as you look at ways to improve the customer experience. I, I just look at my own experience, like my Wi-Fi goes out right? Or, or my internet's down and you call out a technician and the in-app experience to book those appointments to verify that you have a safe work environment for the technician and to have somebody that comes out that you feel safe having in your home. I mean, this, this is no joke. And so I, I think it would be more powerful and influential if we separated software development from the trades and we really look to have more of those programs focusing on it from elementary education, middle school, high school, and then of course into our trade schools. So that would be, I think that'd be a societal shift that we should look at. And as all of you are operating within your different states and countries, I'd be, you know, sending notes to your government um, and representatives to say, hey, we need more support on an education level and an infrastructure level to help the trades get more awareness to the possibility and opportunity that's out there. Because a lot of people like to do work with their hands. Not everybody is meant to sit behind a desk on Zoom. And, you know, in our mission, here at Bamboo, setting people free to do great work, right? You've got to show all the work that's available to really be set free. If you only have a few options and you don't know about all the other things that are available, that doesn't work. Yeah. And they, and you're right. Like these things are so needed, uh, you know, in the day-to-day, like even for us, like you said, like if your lights go out, you need, you need help with that. That's so true. I mean, it's 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 interesting. Here's some statistics for you all to kind of ponder. Construction is the most likely segment to measure employee experience around the office. So it does seem like contractors have have you know veered more into this space, perhaps of like how do we grow the employee experience around construction? They say that construction values employee experience more than any other segment, sixty five percent. I'd be curious if this audience sees that as true or not true. And then construction has the highest hybrid percentage, 54% of segments, and the second highest in-office percentage compared to other industries. And I think that's probably one that has, you know, construction, they're in the field, they're in office, and they're probably even remote some too. So they kind of hit all three pillars of this. You know, our own internal surveys show construction and other out in the field segments, they truly value it. So I think we should maybe talk about how 
um, you know, how we can be more effective in getting those answers around employee experience and would love to see in the channel around what you're doing to drive the employee experience in the field. That would be that would be super interesting. So everybody can kind of get in and and share some best practices here. What do you think, Vanessa? I like that. I, I want to call out Scott. He he brought up a good uh, point here is like, what is important to the field folks and what are they not getting from back to, from back office that would make them more engaged and happy? And it's a lot along the lines of that measurement, like how you can measure that current state. Like, how do you figure that out? And I'm interested to hear from you, Anita, and, and the audience, if there's things that you're doing. Yeah, I think there's I think there's two things. And, um, you know, I got some feedback from some business business owners that are have a great in the field presence and the way they captured it that I thought was super interesting that would be useful for this group was in two factors. One is a hygiene factor, which actually are captured as dissatisfiers. So um, like, let's let's talk about those. And then there's motiv motivators that are actually satisfiers. And so if we look at this, like eliminating dissatisfiers doesn't make somebody happy. It just makes them less unhappy. So I think there's like basic, basic benefits and basic things that you can look at and say, at a minimum, we have to provide these things. It is basic hygiene for us to provide these things. And for your organization, really decide what that is. I think for most in the field uh, organizations that I've worked with, I spent 10 years in construction, our number one thing that we had to do is safety. Now you could be, you know, in the middle of the pack on safety, or you could be above the pack. Like I know to win work in construction and we had our own in the field segment of workers that did this. And then we had an in-office, we had our project managers, our estimators, schedulers, all in office. And then we had actually a whole entire field team doing commercial construction. And so safety was a big part that we said, we actually want to be above the minimum on this. So we are taking a hygiene factor and actually making it a motivator, saying that if you worked on our job sites with our subcontractors, you could count on an extra special safe work environment, extra additional training for you, um, additional walkthroughs. Uh, we had a team dedicated to safety inside. And I know that you can't maybe start from that all of the time, but maybe you have somebody that's designated as your safety representative until you can hire for a full-time person. And that way you're taking something that is a hygiene factor and you're making it more of a satisfier because all of us that have loved ones that work in the field, we want to know that they come home every night. And these accidents don't happen often. And when they happen, they're fatal. And so to me, safety is one of the biggest opportunities that we have to pull the thread all the way through from a hygiene factor to a motivator. And then something that we really can go tout uh, when we're hiring as we talk about recruitment um, into our communities to say, that's why you would want to work with us because you're going to go home to your family every night. And we value that as an organization. Can you reiterate, because I, I noticed earlier, somebody had mentioned like safety was was one of the big problems at the very beginning. And it's like, like, how can you oversee that? Can you just reiterate what are like the top things that somebody can do to execute on making sure that the, there's follow through on making sure there is that safety? 
Yeah, so safety is one of those strategic items that should live up in your mission, vision, or values. And so when I spent time in construction, we had safety called out as one of our core values, and we also had it listed as a tenant of our vision statement, meaning that it's the mountain without a top, and you're always going to climb towards it. Um, you know, you're 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 always going to be in an evolutionary state to get to safety because there's always things that you can do better. And so you can run different campaigns around how you become more safe. There's a number of different metrics that OSHA puts out that says, you know, these are the areas that you need to be compliant. And now actually to win work, you have to have a certain level of safety rating um, to earn the opportunity to do the work on those commercial sites, whether they're hospitals, public sector buildings like schools, or even, you know, commercial buildings. People want to know, hey, I have a contractor that's working that really cares about safety because you can see you hear it in the news you know so and so died from a fatality while building school x or building y and you don't want your brand associated with something like that and so it's important that everybody whether you're in the white collar side of things or blue collar side of things that everybody is focused on safety um, so even though you're operating in very different roles, it's important to find something that unifies them together. And safety is definitely one of those unification items that ties into your mission, vision, values. You can be programmatic about. It helps you recruit, recruit and retain talent and also generate business. I love that. And, and you kind of hit on uh, Tara's comment a little bit here where there, there is that difference of different type of field workers and and do you have any extra advice for, for Tara on like how to, to approach the two different places of, of different field workers, making sure everybody is valued in the ex Moonpoint experience? Yeah, this is, an, this is an important part where you can really think about inclusion. And so when I um, worked, I was working as an operations analyst, actually, in a manufacturing company in Superior, Arizona, um, for you Southwest folks, you might know where that is. And it's really a manufacturing, mining heavy town. And I would go out to Superior once a week with the office team, right? And so I think there's a few things that might sound awesome. You have a job in Superior right now, Lisa. That's so cool. So, you know, there are some little things, um, but I think the little things sometimes can be big things. Um, I would I would make sure that the way I dressed and the way I showed up was the way they would dress when they would show up. Right. So I would be really mindful about thinking about who my customers are. You don't want to show up in a bunch of suits and fancy jewelry and all the stuff I've got on for you all today. Right. You want to take a very uh, proactive approach to saying, I want to come as a peer and a partner to really understand. And I want to be really thoughtful of the safety requirements we have in place hard hat, safety goggles, closed toed shoes, all of the things. And you're following all those rules. You know, I, I always hated being on site and other sites where, it's like, oh, the boss comes out and they're wearing separate things and they don't follow the safety rules. They don't know why it's important. Like that's where we as leaders coming out of the office into the field have an opportunity to really demonstrate all the things that we say we care about. Because if we say we care about safety and we show, on show up on job sites irresponsibly, we just look like idiots. You know, and so it's really important that we say, hey, we value safety. We value your safety and ours. And we're going to make sure that we're always demonstrating those things. Um, and I would really spend a full day each week just talking to the people. You know, we'd run through our QA labs. We'd run through, you know, our costs of goods. We would see how the equipment was running, all of those things. You know, I love manufacturing because you have parts and you have hearts. And so you have an opportunity to kind of do a real-time check of all of those things. 
And, and then the other piece is, is when we talked about engagement and opportunity to build relationships, we would actually do barbecues and we would put like a barbecue in the back of the truck, bring it out to the site where we had our manufacturing facility and we would cook on site burgers and hot dogs for the teams. And I, I would do the cooking. I would do the cleaning. I would do the dishes. Right. Um, and the office team would do that. And it, it was really great because everybody appreciated it. It's not fancy, it's not expensive, and it was super meaningful. And if I, if I look at that, it, it gives a chance for people to build those relationships. And we had people stay with us for, you know, for a really long time, for five or eight years. We didn't have that turnover. And at that time, you know, you're paying, I don't know, nine to $15 an hour. I know wages are different now, but I think the ingredients are the same. And as I've talked to so many of you out there, I, I think the, the core ingredient to what makes a successful employee experience haven't really evolved that much. We just need to like stay the course and our true commitment to implementing them. So how does that land? Tell me in the chat what y'all are experiencing around that, what you see as working or not, and how you work to generate employee engagement out in the field. It'd be, it'd be great to get some feedback on that. I want to call out uh, what Norma has said is I've done this, that in past roles, always received positively. I just can't do that now with people so spread out, uh, which is, you know, it sounds like I've, I've heard in the chat earlier, too, is the, the lack of being able to connect because you're so far away from each other. And I think I think back to that book, uh, Power of Moments, and it's like, how can you create those power of moments, but do it remotely? Uh, you know, like the popsicle hotline. I don't know if you <laughs> have have heard that reference before, Anita, but it's like there's there's a hotel in in uh, I think it's in California where they have a popsicle hotline. You're sitting by the pool, you just go up, you call in, and then they they hand out these these popsicles on a tray for free, and it's that powerful moment. So I know that uh, like with this, with being remote, like Anita, what, what kind of powerful moments would you suggest to people to, to create for remote employees that are out in the field? Yeah. The one, the one idea, Vanessa, that I think about when you talk about the popsicle stand, and I love that is who is the popsicle stand equivalent in our businesses, especially when you're dispatching a crew out every morning and there might be one or two people in that crew all going to different locations and so, yeah, I agree. Lunches, lunches only go so far. So what else do you have? So I think this is the time of the dispatcher. And how do you leverage the teams that are in contact with that crew? And how do you actually leverage technology to send um, texts and to send 30 minute or sorry, 30 minute, 30 minute video chats? either from the founder, from your head of safety, or someone like that that's saying, hey, happy Monday crew, it's going to be a great week. You know, these are the stats or the things that we want to focus on this week. And, um, you know, when you bring your trucks in and your equipment in at the end of the week, we're going to have popsicles for you all. Or you can go and take this Maverick gift card or, you know, uh, Chevron gift card. And anytime you stop throughout the day, we're going to pick up your, your coffee or your soda of choice for the day. But I think there's ways that we can use technology. And I'm seeing a lot of this in the chat right now of using virtual engagement through text, through video and quick hits. And then also making sure that your office staff is equally engaged with your crew as they are with the customer. 
to me, that's the real upgrade that we can create here to build connection is that we create this equal playing field of, hey, we're in the office and we're there to support our crew because we know a happy crew drives a happy customer. And so I know if I want to call into the head office and I talk to somebody who's really upbeat and really exciting, like, you know, with a good positive energy, that's going to help create positive energy in me. And I'm going to feel like somebody really cares about me. And so I think just quick little snippets can be really effective and helping engage the team. I love that too. And I, I like that, uh, Samantha, you say we don't always, we don't, even always take gifts, but just go and spend quality time. And, and I like that because you think about your, your individual employees needs, the, the persona has an overall need, but your, the individual employees have different needs and, you know, what means the most to them. And there might be those individuals that need the quality time and to take them out in a one-on-one lunch, or they do love the gift card and feel that love and value. I don't know if you have anything to expand on that. I, I think that's that's so true. Like I even love what Melissa says here is I got to hop in an estivator the other day to try it out, gave more respect to our our team on the ground. And I went out of the way to tell them that I can never do what they do. And I'm amazed by them. And they said, thanks. And it's really nice to hear that. I've been on an excavator too, Melissa. It's a really cool piece of machinery. And I think that, you know, these points here, Vanessa speak to go do a ride along. Like dispatch your calls out in the morning, have somebody that can come out and take the calls as they change or whatever, and go do ride-alongs and go spend time and go learn the business. One of the other things that I found useful is when the in-office team understands what happens in the field and they understand the day-to-day, it goes a long way. So how well do your dispatch teams and office teams understand what's happening in the field and what the real challenges are? And if you go and commit to doing a ride-along every other week, you'll see those things for real. And I think there's nothing more impactful than than doing these ride-alongs. You'll see so much. Yeah, I love it. Amanda says in here, I've done a ride-along with the truck driver and it's amazing. Um, And site visits do provide a whole new perspective and um, yeah, it's it's really incredible when you get out in the field. I don't know about for you all, but it's definitely energizing. Yeah. Oh, it is. And and it's you were talking about that impact and what it's nothing's worse than having your own leader not even care to ask the questions about what you are doing, how things are going. Like, no, really, how are things going? Because then how are you supposed to feel like you are making that impact and to the overall mission, vision, goals, like what you mentioned earlier? Definitely. Like, I love how Karen put a point up here in the chat. Um, I'm going beyond the biometric providing services, including chair massage, chiropractic work, and podiatry services. This all supports our safety department's mission, too. I think restoring them through health and body work is so beneficial. It's so true. You know, so I've had a lot of side hustles, and we actually had a bar where all the construction company, like construction workers and utility workers would come after their shift. And these guys are beat up. Like they're physically beat up. They're physically working their bodies all day long. My husband worked in construction. So he went and like mixed mud for people building, you know, building houses, right? So he'd come home and his hands were swollen, beat up. We would need to like ice them, all of those things. Like the toll it does take on your body is real. And wouldn't it be cool, Karen, if one of the dispatch calls was, hey, instead of going out to this site today, we want you to come in for a, for a massage. 
and you get your next, you know, your next 60 minute call is back in to take care of yourself. I mean, talk about as we went to the problems earlier that were listed in the chat of the things that you wanted to resolve. What an amazing recruitment mechanism to have people talking about what you're doing to take care of them. Right. I get that there's a labor shortage. I get that there's that talent is tight. And let's use these as opportunities to differentiate because all of these people that we want to come work for us operate in communities together. And if they're able to share what you're doing for them, they're going to share it and they're going to want to come and work for you. Like the business owner that I talked to last night, he says his you know, his people take a pay cut to come and work with him because they know that they're going to have job security. They know that they're going to have stronger benefits and they know that they're actually going to have somebody that cares about them as those human hearts and not just parts. Because I think that's the part that sometimes we miss is the humanity in it. We're, we're all still humans, no matter the kind of work that we're doing. And, and the other big thing that I think you have an opportunity to do is know their families you know, know their partners, know their kids. And when you can do things like when you can include the families and things, even sending out, you know, one of the biggest wins I've ever had is sending stickers home that kids can play with, right? Sending things home that gets the whole office, the whole family committed to your organization is a big win for sure. What would, what would your advice be for, for Lucy? Lucy said, I just wish we could get the field guys to the office for the in-person event. And Melissa kind of sounded off on that too. Totally, Lucy, hard to coordinate when they're either on days off or out on site. So what would your advice be to, to really make sure they do get included or also to really get them there? I love this question. So things I've done in the past is have multiple events. Right. Especially with you when you have day shifts and night shifts and people with different days on and days off, they don't like to feel like they've missed out. So I would encourage you to have smaller events and make them more frequent. And so on this day, we're going to do it in the afternoon. Next event will be in the morning. Next event will be, you know, if you do Saturdays or Sundays or evenings, whatever you do, rotate the time so that everybody has a chance to come. And again, this is something that ties back in. If we talk about mission, vision, values, and we talk about safety and we talk about well-being and we talk about engagement, this is where, you know, the in-office staff really gets behind it and says, hey, we're going to, we're going to shut down our dispatch between three and five, because we're going to take care of our teams. You know, restaurants are really great at this. I've been to a number of restaurants where they put up a sign and they say, hey, our crew is taking care of themselves today. We've had a busy season. We'll be back open tomorrow. I think we can do that same thing in the field of like, hey, we're going to do this and shut it down for two hours. And I get there's some businesses you can't shut down for two hours. So you take those people that are satisfying those two hours, and then you come back and you do something for them. So that way it's always rotating and you get a chance to really support them. I love what Julie said, because it kind of is along those lines. She So Julie said, we have our guys come to the office once a year for a full day of safety training. They get somewhat pampered, get to dress differently. Our office has TVs, big patio, great lunches, snacks, breaks, and uh, just built the team. We do it in groups of 20 per day, two days per week over a few weeks to cover everyone. We just want our guys to know not to step over a dollar to pick up a dime. We are a great long-term family company. They leave and want to come back because we offer so many more perks. And it's going back to your comment of like, you're you're engaging the whole person. You're thinking about everything besides the day-to-day, -day, but how this all affects the person. 
It really does. It is making it personal. And that's where you have an opportunity to go out. I work with our neighbor who has a manufacturing facility here in Utah. And I say, go ask the people in your manufacturing facility what they want, what's going to make a difference for them. And what makes a difference for them is access to available quality healthcare that's affordable. And so instead of spending money in other areas, that was the majority of thing that they wanted, um, you know, and they really worked hard to get into an exchange that worked really well, that was affordable for the company and provided better care to their team members. You know, so don't discount what they have to say. I love, I love what was set up here is don't step over a dollar to pick up a dime. Um, you know, really say, hey, we're listening to you. Ask them once a month what's working, what's not. And look, everybody always wants more, right? You start asking these questions and the list will get long, but focus on the things that matter most to the majority of people and deliver on it and talk about it, remind them of it, recruit to it, you know, hire and train to those key things and it'll make a difference. Yeah. Well, just kind of shifting the, the topic just a little bit, Carrie had a really good question. Any suggestions on creating a seamless, more personable seasonal layoff transition? That sounds like a big topic. So have at it, Anita. <laughs> I love this one. And I think the biggest thing is to be transparent, right? Like I see it here in Utah right now. Everybody's getting, uh, you know, everybody's hiring for ski season, right? We're going into a big season here in Utah. So all the businesses are gearing up, opening up the ski shops and restaurants and ski lifts, right? Everybody wants to do that. And I think you're really upfront and we're, you know, we're gearing up for a seasonal market or a seasonal time. And we're going to hire you between October and April. And that's it. And while you're here, you're going to get these types of benefits and it's going to be better than anywhere else that you can go. These types of perks, you know, a lot of times I see, I follow a lot of the ski resorts and I think they're a good one. They've got a lot of seasonal hourly team members out in the field on those lifts to ensure that everybody's safe. Um, safety is a big thing. Um, avalanche warnings, making sure. And the and the perk is that people are outside, not behind Zoom calls. I mean, trust me, I want to apply some days, right? And I want to be out there on the slopes, making sure everybody's safe and we're grateful for them. And so really think about your differentiator there and the people that work in those seasonal industries come back year after year. And they become like, if you see on social media, they're advertising and promoting, come back and work this season with me at this place. And so just be straightforward of like, hey, it is seasonal, you'll be here and build a pipeline of why they want to come back every single year. You might even consider making them offers before the end of the season to come back next year. And then that way you don't have this big surge of branding work to recruiting work to hiring work. You could start to space out and say, hey, we already have 20% of our offers locked in for next season because we granted them to our top performers at the end of this season. Right. And so maybe you have 50% of those shine, show up actually at the start to the next season, and that can still work for you. You're still ahead of the game. Yeah. And, and you're kind of, you've messaged, uh, mentioned this a couple of times was around kind of that benefits conversation and how should that conversation around benefits change? You know, when we're talking about really improving that work experience for employees out in the field and, and getting them to come back, like, how does that change? Yeah, I think part of it is a lot of you have family businesses and you've been around for decades and you have something that no one else has and it's stability 
And don't discount stability of your business every single season, especially right now as we're in a recession, people are getting laid off. There's more availability for seasonal workers than ever before and for people to be out in the field. So I would really say, hey, we're a family business. We've been around for 20, 30, 40 years, as many of you have been. We take great care of our people, and we want you to come join our family. And some of our family is here full-time, some of it's part-time, and some of it's seasonal. And this is what you get by being a part of kind of our overextended community. And making sure that that stability message, it's going out to your customers, right? Because when I replace my AC unit or my, my heater, right, we're going through our checks right now in our houses for those of us that live in cold weather to make sure our heater works, right? You go through it. You want to make sure the heat turns on because we could have snow any day. And so you can say, hey, like, come be a part of this. We're always here. We're not laying off people. And we want you to be a part of our team because I want people that fix my heater that are going to be here in four or five years whenever that warranty expires or I need a new piece of equipment. I want to deal with the same company year over year as a customer. So the message of stability plays in for the customer as well as the team member. And I also love that when I call the people to come replace my heater or fix my heater, I get the same guy. And I love that as a customer. And he knows my family. He knows my house. I feel safe being alone with him in my house. Um, and he's super, super thoughtful and respectful. And that's amazing. And that's value to me as a customer. I won't go anywhere else. I won't call another heating company because they're $200 or $300 cheaper. I'm going to go to the place that takes care of me year after year. Well, and you, you bring up something that's really important to a lot of people is just being feeling safe because you are letting a, a stranger into your home. And I love that you mentioned that uh, there's that that value there of knowing that person coming every single time can make such a big difference. A hundred percent, right? They become, you know, part of your extended family and you want somebody that comes in your house that you feel safe with. A lot of us have, you know, spouses that are out doing their own work or in the field themselves. And so you want to feel safe that you're bringing somebody in that that is good for your home and good for your family. Yeah, I love that. Well, you've been talking about this, like this method, if, if everyone follows the method of, you know, engaging the whole person and, yes. you know, making sure that you're, you're, there's a lot of perks, a lot of extra things people have mentioned in the chat today, like this chat was amazing. <laughs> and right. if you're following those things, you, it, it sounds like it could equate to having that experience that you had. Oh, I think so. I think so. And I love Lisa's point here. Conversations about stability are going to become even more important given the economic pressures. I've interviewed people who've been laid off multiple times in other industries and want to be at a stable company now. So, you know, I think we're going from a place of really inflated wages. We're coming back to center on wages. And I think people, humans at the core want to know that they'll be taken care of because they want to take care of their family. So really don't discount that message, um, you know, as part of your branding campaign. And I know a lot of you are like branding campaign, but recruiting is marketing, right? And so just like you run campaigns to gain customers, use that same campaign to generate team members, right? Like, you know, I always snuggle right up to my marketing team and I'm like, whatever you're running as a program, I want to run as a program. And I just want to tweak a few things so that we continue to have a qualified pipeline coming into our building. I, I love that you said that because it's it's that overall EVP 
And that value for future employees or the employees to keep, keep coming back and utilizing advertising and marketing as a resource can really help with that recruitment, especially if you're advertising those, those extra perks and benefits that can really speak to that audience because you're proactively giving them the solution to the problems that they're facing. And if nobody else is doing it, look how much more your job is going to stand out because you just did that. It's awesome. You know, Vanessa brought up this term um, called EVP, which is employee value proposition is what she's referencing. And it's where you go out to your team members and you say, why do you love to work here? You know, why do you stay here? And what would it, you know, like to give us all the reasons and you kind of capture that gold and then you go out and you promote that as you're posting jobs, as you're having hiring conversations, if you're at hiring fairs, career fairs at schools, those types of things you want to put in there. And then the other piece too, don't overlook the opportunity of the referral fee. If you have a tenured group that's really happy, that's been here for a long time, offer them, say, what, what would be a great referral fee that would motivate you to go and tell your friends to come and work here? And, you know, get them out there campaigning and recruiting on your behalf. It's a great way to extend your recruitment team. And such a great benefit. A lot of people love that referral bonus. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. It's a great kicker. <laughs> well, what are your kind of final thoughts and takeaways for this group? We, we went through a lot of different things today, just acknowledging uh, the challenges that, that people face and, and also how do we measure it and improve it. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts, Nita, about any advice you'd leave for our group today. And, and I know, Lauren, you just asked a really good question. What, what do you recommend to turn around and disengage employees? So, so maybe before you jump into final thoughts, maybe answer her real quick. Yeah, Lauren, you know, the question is, what do you do to recommend to turn around disengaged employees? And when somebody is disengaged, I really want to know why. Why are they disengaged and what's the action that they're taking that shows up for you, Lauren, as disengagement, right? Are they not showing up? Are they showing up late? Are they, um, you know, creating gossip and kind of negativity in the culture if you're in a manufacturing facility? What are they doing? And the first thing I like to do is sit down with that person or that have the leader actually sit down with that person and say, hey, are you okay? And they'll be like, yeah, man, why? And you'll be like, well, you know, it seems like I've noticed you, you know, really, you know, not showing up as your usual self. It seems like you're more frustrated with X, Y, and Z than you are normally, you know, what's going on. And then to have them understand what that negativity creates in your culture, right? It is like, um, you know, I remember when I, <laughs> this is weird. I was, you know, in sorority orientation. It's not orientation, initiation. And they showed this clear bottle of liquid and they dropped one thing of ink into the bottle. And it was like, if you, you know, you could make the whole bottle go from clear to black if you spread negativity throughout this group of people. And so I think part of it is just understanding that when one person is negative, that, you know, that one apple spoils the bunch, you start to create negativity. It breeds negativity, right? When you focus on something, that thing becomes bigger. And so helping them understand the impact and influence they have around their negativity. And if you're not able to fix the challenges that they have, let them know that right? Like, I know that you want a new machine that does X, Y, and Z. We're not going to be able to get one, you know, for whatever reason until next year, you've got to get behind the equipment that we have and not complain about it to everybody else. Can you do that? 
And if they're like, no, then say, how can I find a new place for you? Because you've worked so hard to get that team in place. And I know that you don't want to hear, you know, turn them out, but I'd rather turn out the one negative one than start creating a whole negative culture that then I have to go manage. So as soon as you see that negativity, you've got to find a way to squash it, turn it around and get commitment or offer them an opportunity to go find them something else. So my three steps is why can you get them to turn around? And if you can't, then offer them the next best place to go work down the street. I love, so I want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, have you heard of Bob Keller, Kelleher? I think that's his name. I'm so sorry if I butchered it, but Bob had put together a video a few years back. You can find it on YouTube and it's about employee engagement. And he puts together like this, this idea of your team is in this boat and you've got the group over here that's like working their their butts off. And then you've got a smaller percentage over here that's just kind of like putting in partial work. They're okay. And then you've got the end people on the on the boat that maybe like 11% of your employees that are just looking at the scenery. And how much more is that slowing down your boat? Because then your good employees don't feel valued at all because they're overworking. They're having to put in extra work for everyone else. So it, it just affects the entire culture, like what you're saying. It really does. I love that example. We'll have to share that in the Slack channel because I want to watch it. I think that's so valuable to share. Yeah, we're, we're there's going to be a lot that we'll have to share. Uh, Kim Possible theme song, the Bob Kelleher. <laughs> all the things, all the things. For sure, we've got to do that. Uh, I think uh, here, I'll I'll type it in the chat uh, for for you uh, of how to spell his last name, and hopefully, I don't forget. But <laughs> yeah. But so Anita, what uh, what are the final takeaways for everyone to kind of just wrap this all into our, our Oreo cookie of the day? Yes. So our Oreo always starts with mission, vision, values, right? So mission, vision, values, and deciding what you're going to do with your in the field teams that aligns up to your mission, vision, values. So we use safety as an example. We've talked about engagement, a number of things, and making sure that you have that so that your office teams and your field teams are aligned in what you're doing and they both participate, right? Wouldn't it be cool if your field team was driving engagement with your office team and your office team is driving engagement with your field team, right? You want to build a system where you're not the single point of failure in it. You're having a company initiative that starts at the top. Everybody participates in. You've got your founder or head of safety sending a 30-second video message out to the crews, you know, via text to start their days off. And you're offering them different ways to create connection or whatever it is the challenge that you're, that you're into. So today we talked about engagement. We talked about recruitment. We talked about seasonal layoffs. We talked about connection and engagement. So that that's the stuffing of the Oreo. And then the other side is performance, right? Because you don't want to do anything that isn't driving performance. And you know that when you have people that are engaged on site, creating great experiences for your customers, that you're going to have performance in your business. So being able to tie all of those together is really important. And that's what I'd leave you with is like, don't ship things to, to ship it, ship something that ties into your mission and creates meaning for our human hearts that, that drive our parts and then drive performance for our customer base. So, so make sure it all works together and appreciate all the work that you're doing out there. I'm super grateful that you're there doing what you're doing because all of us depend on you and um, I'm super grateful. So thanks, thanks Vanessa for, for putting this together with me. Thank you, Anita. 
And thank you so much. Big heart to all of you. Keep doing the good work and stay in touch with us on our Slack channel and LinkedIn. We appreciate all that you're doing out there. Have a super day. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work. 